This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking a little Michigan, Purdue, the Wolverines after a I'm sure what felt like a very long two weeks away from game action for Michigan fans returned to Michigan Stadium and they beat Purdue 41 to 13. Second half of the episode, we'll also talk a little bit about Sign Gate. I mean, we, we did talk about it for around 40 minutes in our latest episode, but we'll, we'll have some updates or, or and some additional thoughts uh, with even more news since it seems like every day there's like another piece of of news that comes out. But first we'll focus on the Wolverines win over Purdue kind of a similar to a lot of their wins this season. I guess it's the interesting part was at the middle third of the game. It did seem like Michigan kind of were in a different gear. You know, they, they came out super hot, got up 17, nothing with two easy offensive drives. And then an interception that, that was almost returned for a touchdown that turned into a field goal. And then, and then their next like six, seven drives, they, they only scored three more points. But then late in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter, final 20 minutes of the game or so, uh, they they started to pour it back on. They scored three touchdowns. So we'll talk a little bit about what worked, what didn't work. And obviously, a lot of eyeballs are shifting toward that matchup against Penn State, Michigan's first not only ranked matchup of the season, but first matchup against a top 50 team this season. So a very intriguing game just in the sense that the competition level will be raised so much and Penn State you know we'll we'll see obviously but it seemed like they started to figure some things out on their offense this past weekend but but see focusing on Michigan I gotta say you know if, if if you're asking me offense what jumped out to you we'll talk about the run game in a moment but I I do think the wide receivers deserve a lot of credit I mean this is a position group that I think you know all season long there's been a lot of production but but I felt like there were just some really good plays by the wide receivers Saturday. And obviously, a lot of people are focused on J.J. McCarthy's stat line, 339 passing yards. But I felt like he was off on some throws. And, and there were some throws that even if they weren't incompletions, they just weren't exactly perfect. But it felt like, I mean, Roman Wilson, career high, nine receptions, 143 yards, also career high. Samaj Morgan had. Uh, not only two catches for 27 yards, but he had the touchdown run in the third quarter that kind of reawakened Michigan's offense, I guess, to some degree. You know, the game was kind of getting a little tight. Crowd was a little quiet. And then that happened. And then it was kind of back to the blowout. Uh, and then, you know, Cornelius Johnson made a couple nice plays. I, I guess if you were asking me, like, what was the biggest positive takeaway from Michigan's offense? Because they did score 41 points. I would, I would think I would start with the wide receivers. And that was something we talked about could be in the cards, given Purdue's matchup, they just don't have great cornerbacks this season. At the same time, I, I think that's just another rink for not compare. When you add the Michigan State success Michigan had with its tight ends, with the wide receiving success that they had against Purdue, defenses suddenly, they can't really scheme for one. You know, suddenly, if you're Penn State, if you're Ohio State, if you're another team, you know, it's not just enough to 
cover Colson Loveland and AJ Barner or Colson Loveland and Roman Wilson. You know, you got You got to cover a lot of different players and, you know, Samaj Morgan, that's, that's a very promising sign for Michigan. Like his ability, we've talked about him a couple times on the podcast, but his ability to just seemingly make something out of nothing. Every time he gets the ball, you know, with his speed, his shiftiness, I think he's got pretty good vision too. You know, it just seems like it's not, it's not like he's like, juking everybody and breaking tackles like he's avoiding tackles and in the sense where like he knows how to break the angles he knows how to I guess stay one step ahead of the defenders so I came away pretty impressed with the wide receivers I mean the passing game overall 339 passing yards you know there were a couple misfires by by JJ a couple times where he probably wants to set his feet or or take like a a quarter second and just recompose his body I guess but but it did feel like the wide receivers stepped up. And ultimately, it's funny how quickly the goalposts moved for Michigan, where it's like they only scored 41 points or they only had 27 points at the end of the third quarter. Like, that's that's not what Michigan's been doing all season, but that's still, you know, something pretty notable. And so, for me, I, I came away especially impressed by the wide receivers. What stood out to you about Michigan's offense in the game? Yeah, another great game from Roman Wilson. Yeah, as I told you before we got on, I you think you think he could be on a, it, a it, board maybe list. maybe the Blitnikoff will will put him at least at least put him on the watch list with the other 135 receivers they have on there. So <laughs> don't know what more he needs to do. I don't know why I'm so pissed about that, but it's just it's stupid. So uh, hopefully that that takes place. Yeah, you know the funny thing about receivers, a lot of people going into the season were like questionable, you know, critical of like Ron Bellamy's development at the risk with the guys at that position and everything. If anything, I think that the wide receivers have maybe been the most consistently impressive unit from an all-around standpoint as far as the receiving, but also you know we've seen how effective you know Cornelius Johnson, very good blocker on the edge. We've seen young guys step up. From the get go, you know, I just think so. I think those the Bellamy criticisms, which I don't think were well founded in the first place, can definitely be put to rest at this point. Other big takeaway for me, uh, I'm still not panicking about the running game because anytime they did something that was sort of off schedule, it was highly successful. The Morgan touchdown, uh, Cornelius Johnson was a ankle tackle away from a second touchdown run the receivers man i'm telling you right but but what (laughs) my point is is like the rest of michigan's running game so far has basically been predicated in basically running the football right up the middle into a stack box it was a clear that mccarthy had no was given no clearance to run to keep and run the football yesterday there's just so many other areas and, and and approaches that michigan i feel like it still has the ability to take in the running game that they really haven't hit hard yet you know you mentioned Penn State next week and again we talked before we got on Penn State has the number one run defense in the country right now and so you know it's going to be a huge test for Michigan's running game you know next Saturday but again I just think that they have more wrinkles that they're kind of holding on so I'm still not I'm not really in uh, panic mode as far as the running game goes you know I, I think it's uh you know, and we'll see if Penn State, I think, again, I think the difference with Penn State is they they might have a strong enough front seven to where they may not have to consistently devote an eighth guy, you know, at least in their, at least to begin the game. I wonder how they'll approach it, you know, with, with having such a stout run defense. But, you know, it, it has not slowed Michigan down offensively 
really at all. Uh, the struggles in the middle third of the game, I think, are really the, those were the points where McCarthy was missing some open receivers. You know, I, I don't think that they struggled offensively because they weren't running the ball as effectively. They still had open receivers, and yeah, McCarthy just kind of seemed a little off kilter for about a quarter and a half, maybe in the middle there. So, you know, I, I'm just again, we'll see. I, I got. It. I mean, we've been saying it, but I do think next week we'll maybe give us the answer we've been looking for as far as was it worth worrying about the running game or not you know and again I don't expect them to run the ball they won't run the ball like they did last year against Penn State like I I don't anticipate I'd be shocked if that happened again what they do last was it like 300 some kind of like they had an insane amount of yards against Penn State running the ball last year I don't see a repeat performance there uh, but we'll know if they run the ball effectively enough to to keep their defense honest and, and allow Michigan's receivers to to get open, which again, so far this season has not been an issue regardless of how many, I'll just say this, regardless of how many yards Michigan is gaining on the ground, because it's clear that teams are still respecting Michigan's ability to run the football with all the attention that they give uh, Corum and Edwards uh, when they, when they get the ball. So that's kind of still my big takeaway is like, I, I just, I'm not freaking out because Blake Corum only averaged like four yards per carry yesterday. I just don't see it as like this big issue. You know, if McCarthy was having to fit balls into tight windows, like 60, 65% of the time, maybe it'd be a bigger concern. But when, when they've had, they're having receivers running open constantly. I just think it's still more of a product of defenses are basically still daring McCarthy in the passing game to beat them. So I'm with you on, most of what you had to say about it. I mean, look, Purdue, a lot of single high, right? A lot of stacking the box. They were definitely focused on stopping the run for the most part. You know, and I think I think in terms of the read option stuff, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, he was, seemed like a game where he was told, don't keep the ball, <laughs> right? Like, you can, you, we're going to run the play to, to practice the, the cadence and the timing and the blocking and everything, but but you're not keeping the ball in this game. And so those two things obviously are going to deflate the the rushing stats to some degree. But I, I'm a little bit more concerned than you are, Steve, just because I think there's been games like that last season and the season before where quarterback, whether it was McCarthy or Cade McNamara, was not keeping the ball, where they were blowing out a team. They weren't necessarily opening up the whole playbook. And they were still running the ball effectively. I mean, how many games last year? Blake Corum didn't he have like nine straight games where he had at least a hundred rushing yards? And Donovan Edwards would sneak in some big games in there too. And and it wasn't just you know when they were playing the Iowas and the Nebraskas and the more average Big Ten teams last season. It's not like they were running for you know a hundred yards. I mean, they were they were effective. At running the football. And I think the big thing for me that, that stands out is Saturday night, they had 12 carries between the tackles. They had 29 rushing yards on those carries. And you're just, you're not seeing a lot of broken tackles. That was something Donovan Edwards and Blake Horam were so good at last season, whether they were juking somebody out or running through a tackle. It, it just does not seem like they are doing that at the same level this season. The yards after contact is not as high. The yards before contact is not as high either. I don't think that difference is quite as strong, but I, I'm a little bit more concerned just because we have not seen Blake Horam or Donovan Edwards look 
like they did in similar games last season, right? Obviously, the you know they're going to have a different game plan against Penn State and Ohio State. They're going to run harder. They're going to they're not going to worry so much about you know carry counts from the coaching perspective. But uh, yeah, Blake Corum had a hundred yards against every Big Ten opponent he faced last season, and Donovan Edwards was very effective in a lot of those games. So so I think it's it's working for now. I mean, Michigan's going to have a chance to. I still expect them to, I'm predicting them to beat Penn State on the road. But I think the concern is definitely there because, one, Penn State, much, much better run defense. I mean, Purdue, they're a decent run defense, but you go watch how Wisconsin played them, how uh, Syracuse played them. You know, they, they, they definitely gave up some pretty big rushing games earlier this season. You know, Ryan Walters, I think he he knows how to put together a good defense, but I, I don't I don't know if he has even remotely the personnel that Penn State will have. And then I think the other part that's concerning is Penn State also has a good pass defense. They're not going to give up most likely 339 passing yards in that game. So, you know, it's not, you know, Purdue, I think I think there is that element of like, just just win the game. It doesn't really matter. You don't need 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing. You don't need some like statistical threshold. So I get it. I, you know, and, and JJ McCarthy was just, as you said, guys were very open. I mean, there were plays where we were in the press box. Me and Alejandro were kind of looking down. And I'm like, look how open he is. And and JJ didn't even throw to him. It was like they, you know, they could have probably thrown for even more yards if they, if they really wanted to. I get it. At the same time, the fact that there just hasn't really been a game where Michigan was pounding its chest about its run game this season. I mean, how many how many games into the season can that be before that's just maybe not something that you're leaning on in in those big games. So, I do agree with you. I think eventually teams are going to have to well they're either going to have to start keeping more guys in the secondary or Michigan will just keep throwing cuz JJ McCarthy, you know, I know he's a little bit more off, but it, it's very funny that that a little bit more off in terms of commentating about his game is 65% completion percentage, 339 yards passing. But because he, it wasn't 75% completion rate and it wasn't, he didn't throw touchdowns. It was, it was this whole thing. So I I'm with you for the most part. I do think it's, it's definitely not nothing to me, the run game concerns. I think that is definitely something that, you know, the Penn state that they'll be tested Michigan, uh, you know, that, that will, that will be tested. And, who knows? Maybe this time a week from now, you'll be saying you told me so, and that you know, they were holding back. But but coming off a of bye week, you should be fresh. Week nine of the season, your offensive line should be gelled. The chemistry should be there. There's no no still getting familiar. You know, Blake Corm, Donovan Edwards. I know, I know Edwards was a little dinged up in in fall camp, and I know both of them missed spring practices. But it's November. If there was a time for them to start to look productive, start to look like they did last season. It would be, it would be now. So, you know, we'll see. I think, I think it's a little bit of everything. I, I'm really, I don't want to make it sound like such and such is, you know, the reason why, I mean, it seems like the offensive line isn't quite clicking in the run game. Like they, like they did last season, you know, it doesn't feel like either running back is breaking the tackles that they normally do or finding the, the holes that they normally do. There were uh, several runs, Steve, maybe you saw it on TV too, where it, they were like just one little cut move away. It felt like from like a 40 yard gain here and there. So I, I get it. And I do think Purdue was absolutely, I mean, 
I don't know why their safety was so far back. I don't know if you. I don't know if you saw. You might not have seen it because it might not have been on the TV screen. Felt like they would. Just I saw like, it. Have like you could see a, it, like twenty five yards from the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It was yep. kind of like, okay. I mean, you know, I guess it. You could argue it worked until the final twenty minutes of the game. But yeah, a lot of single high, a lot of stacked boxes, lot lots of, I guess, expecting Michigan's runs. If that makes sense, like like it kind of seemed like they knew what Michigan was going to, that's not a sign gate joke. That is, that, that was something we talked about before the season. I said I was gonna, the, I was gonna... <laughs> the biggest weakness of this run game might be that it's kind of year three of this general scheme. And by year three of schemes, whether it's offense or defense, that's when teams in, in the same conferences, you kind of start to catch up because there's enough film. There's enough documentation of what you do. There's enough statistics on your tendencies so, you know, I think one thing I did say before the season, I said, look, everything's lining up for this to be a great rushing attack. The only question is, will uh, will defenses start to catch up? So that that's a minor concern to me. It is. It's not a panic. I don't I don't I wouldn't have a panic button anyways. But if I did, I wouldn't be pressing it necessarily. But I do think going into just that Penn State matchup and also Ohio State, too, you know, their defense looks pretty stout. And, and if anyone's going to know about Michigan's run game, it's probably going to be Ohio State and Penn State in terms of tendencies or or traits or, you know, the weaknesses to stop it. And, and they also have the personnel to do it. So that's something to keep an eye on. Flipping over to defense, you know, Steve, I think one of my earliest takeaways was Michigan's offense maybe had that little like seven drive rut. And and they also made some mistakes, right? The the punt was botched. The fourth down play call, I would have called a, a different play as, uh, <laughs> you know, as a non-coach, but it did feel like the defense allowed that game. Like, I, I I, don't know if you felt the same way, but like there was never like a sense of like, oh, this game might be in doubt just because the defense was so dominant and so effective. I, it looks like the best defense in the country to me. What stood out the most to you on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, yeah, just an inability for Purdue to, which admittedly Purdue's offense has been pretty bad this year, but uh, no ability to get comfortable at all. So I produce a team that I hadn't really watched yet this year. So I'm I'm curious to know if the like card just does not look comfortable in the pocket. And I kind of I'm wondering if that's a season long deal or if Michigan just created so much pressure early on that he because there were a couple plays and I think the telecast even pointed it out that he escaped or he 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 left what looked like a, a decent pocket uh for really no reason. Yeah, no, the, the Michigan's defense, excellent again. Plenty of quarterback hurries. Uh, the defensive backs played really well. Josh Wallace made a couple nice plays. Will Johnson should have had two picks. Yeah, really can't say enough about what Michigan is doing there. Again, the yard, I see like Purdue rushed for 125 yards. I want to say a lot of those were in the last, like. They had five first downs in the first three quarters. Yeah, I mean, that's. Like for all intents and purposes, they were shut down. Yeah, so. One for 14 on third down also, which is noteworthy. And uh, yeah, again, it's kind of talk about lather, rinse, repeat. It's kind of what it is with the defense, just like the offense. Probably a bigger test for Michigan next week against Penn State. And uh, Drew Aller looked good against Maryland. It, it Again, we are at the point in the Big Ten. I think we talked about this before we got on where it's really hard to know. Because Drew Aller. There's Allard, no, like, no like, decent teams in the Big Ten this year. There's right. three it's, great teams, and everyone else is kind of. I think those three great teams would be everyone else by 25. Yep. Uh, well, Penn State hasn't done that, actually. Got eh, a couple okay. Closer. All right. 
you know, but, <laughs> but, but, but no. is there another team that you think could like win, like sneakily win 10 games or like sneak ten oh, ranked team? Heck no. Not with yeah. Wisconsin, not with Wisconsin sputtering the way they have. I mean, that they... like Iowa currently has the fourth best record <laughs> in the big 10, right? <laughs> of course they do. Like it, it, it's so weird, but yeah. That, and that's, I mean, that's a good point. And, and Penn state shut Iowa out. So yeah, that'll be their biggest test next week. Aller looked, he just, I mean, he flat out looked better against Maryland than he did, you know, because he struggled mightily, in my opinion, against Ohio State, you know, the one test that he's really kind of had so far. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Michigan matches up there. You know, obviously Penn State has a good, great one-two combo running the football with Singleton and, and Allen. So, uh, yeah, but as far as it goes for this game, I mean, yeah, it, it didn't take long to see that. The way Purdue scored points is the way that Purdue was going to have to score points with Michigan making mistakes on the other side of the ball, whether it's, yeah, a bad fourth down call, a punt hitting a Michigan player in the back, like <laughs> like that was the only way it felt like they were even going to be in the type of field position to to get close enough to uh, even score points. And of course, you know, the touchdown was, was so late is a very inconsequential touchdown so for it's 41 to 6 for all intents and purposes so yeah no hey it was about, consequential for some people out there. yeah i don't i don't i was watching uh or i uh i thought the same thing poor degenerates but yeah overall defensive backs played really really well michael barrett also by the way yeah wow. established himself as a excellent blitz package linebacker i mean he was he was very close to having a, at least a couple sacks yesterday. I so feel like the, it, and, the stats from Pro Football Focus: he had nine pass rushing snaps. He had five quarterback pressures. Yeah, no, I mean it was led the team. Very noted. Very, uh, very easy to see him pop uh, throughout the game yesterday. And then the other guy that I thought really stood out was uh, Braden McGregor from an all sort of an all around standpoint. I think somebody on Twitter mentioned that yesterday is like. One play went, I think, in a in a two play sequence. He went from dropping up, dropping back into coverage, and and either like covering his player good enough to where Card had to make another read, and then the next play, the I think he had a tackle for a loss coming around the backside on on a run. So he's another guy that really kind of looks like he's coming into his own. So uh, and then Jalen Harrell also three more, at least three more. He has in the box score he has three quarterback hurries, but another guy who really just seems to kind of be a problem for tackles and uh and guards they they ran him in the middle a couple times i know they ran like a long stunt around around the back edge and he was almost able to get to card uh pretty quickly as well so yeah no a lot of guys are are, it looks like are playing their best football the season right now but uh yeah no michael barrett probably the mvp in my opinion yesterday yeah i I would agree with that i mean makari page career high eight tackles you know will johnson it's not like he's being underrated but i think when you look at like the advanced stats too you know, they targeted him eight times in coverage yesterday. He allowed three receptions for 23 yards, but he had two pass breakups and an interception. And and really, you know, that, that one incompletion in the end zone, what, in the second quarter? I mean, he was right there. I think it was it. Was it Sainer still that, that slightly tipped it so he couldn't catch it? But he almost had a second interception. So I don't know what it is about Purdue, man, but, but he uh, very close to, what, four interceptions in two games against Purdue. You know, think think Rod Moore, you know, as you, as you kind of mentioned, like the secondary is starting to look kind of like maybe it was expected to preseason. So the, to see like Will Johnson and Rod Moore play that well when they haven't necessarily had the 
seasons that they expected, you know, just with injuries and obviously they're just not playing a lot of passing attacks that are, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes <laughs> like in baseball, like if, if you could be a great defensive outfielder, but they have to hit it to you for that to show. But yeah, it did seem like this, this was a game where, where Will Johnson, Rod Moore really stepped up. Mason Graham continuing to to make a lot of plays. That's nothing new, but he had some nice, nice run stops. Felt like he was kind of helping Michigan continue to, win that battle at the line of scrimmage and and you know when when that happens when guys like mason graham and chris jenkins command the attention they command that's how michael barrett not a discredit to michael barrett but that's how he's able to get those five quarterback pressures there's a lot of skill of like reading the offensive blocking schemes and obviously you have to be quick and be able to get off your blocks but but at the same time i think i think michigan's in that that dream scenario on defense where the 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 run wall and the the interior guys are command so much attention that that allows a situation like Braden McGregor is able to like come all the way around from, as you said, from the right side to, to make a tackle on the left side in the backfield, pretty much unblocked. And, you know, Michael Barrett was able to get some of those pressures and, and Purdue, by the way, in their 30 passing snaps, they were pressured 16 times. So even though Michigan didn't get, I think they only added one sack, 16 pressure snaps, and Steve, to your point about Carr just not seeming to do very well under pressure, under pressure, he completed three passes on 15 attempts. He was three for 15. When the pocket was clean or he wasn't under pressure, he was nine for 13. So that makes it, that's the whole, that's the difference in the whole game. I mean, that's a 49.2 percentage point difference in completion percentage under pressure versus not. And that's looking ahead. I mean, that's, that's going to have to continue. I think Kyle McCord and Drew Aller, I mean, the, the best way to shut those offenses down, I think, is going to be put pressure on those quarterbacks. Because if Michigan's able to do that, I don't think either quarterback has really shown me that they're a true under-pressure passing threat. I think Aller can be, but it's a lot of, like, the the short check-down type passes. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, some deep post way downfield. So I think... And keeping that pass rush up, I mean, it, yeah, a lot of people look at sacks when it comes to pass rush, but but the overall pressure I felt like was there, and and Jalen Harrell was definitely, in addition to Michael Barrett, was someone that, that really jumped out to me on that front. Steve, anything else about this game before we pivot to you-know-what? Uh, no, not really. Another ho-hum, yeah. kind of like we expected. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit about SignGate, the new developments, our thoughts on it. And what might be next for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Steve, I was pretty proud of that tease right before that commercial break. But but in terms of what has changed since our last podcast, which was Thursday, you know, we talked a, a very good time kind of catching everything up on what is going on, what our thoughts are. You know, the the I think you know, a couple of our takeaways still kind of hold up. You know, I was very worried when we recorded that episode that 
stuff would you know, it would age kind of like milk, you know, and suddenly like, like two days later where, you know, there's so many new things or so many things have changed that we have different opinions. But I really don't. I really stand by a lot of the points. It still feels very orchestrated, whether that's not to like invalidate the alleged situation. But yeah, the, the it feels very manufactured, very orchestrated uh, in terms of like a little bit a little leak per day, a little, you know, new story this day, new story that day. Very, very much an effort to make this a multi-day story, try to sensationalize it a little bit, make sure that it's a it's a major talking point. And it's worked. It really has. I mean, I can I can look it back at our story, you know, our our numbers. We don't write for clicks, but you know, like I can see uh there's a there's a correlation. So I think that still holds up. And then I think the thing that really holds up and, and honestly, I feel even stronger about it now is that this almost doesn't even seem like it's about Michigan as much as it is about Harbaugh. For those that haven't necessarily been following or aren't subscribers yet to the Michigan Insider.com, Michigan at 21st Sports.com, obviously we have a lot of the latest stuff, but Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, I think we mentioned on on Thursday, he fielded a conference call with all of the head coaches and Harbaugh got off after 30 minutes, and then they vented for an hour. Athletic directors. He so, all hey, but that's a yeah. normally scheduled phone call, though. This is not some special phone call, correct? Yes. So the 30-minute yes. part that Harbaugh was a part of, that's normally scheduled. And, and then, then there was like then... a, <laughs> hey, Airing tell us how you really feel. Jesus, <laughs> yes. man. Okay, uh, yeah. And then the athletic directors had something similar the very next day. And I think a lot of us were wondering how Petiti would handle this. I mean, he's like a TV exec guy. He's pretty new on the job. So I think a lot of people wondered if he would do less because Michigan obviously does very good TV numbers. And, you know, if he's not, if Petiti's not like a necessarily a football guy, you know, it's not like he's a former coach or former, former player, you know, hasn't worked with a football program for a long time. You know, is he really going to care? But I almost think the opposite happened where, he heard all these coaches, he heard all these ADs, and he was pretty impressionable. And he didn't, he's pretty new on the job. It's he's honestly newer than all of them, coaches and ADs. And it seems like from what we've been able to gather, he just kind of took what they said and relayed it to Michigan. Instead of kind of being a meet uh, a middleman or or trying to calm down the coaches and athletic directors, he went to Michigan and kind of relayed those sentiments. So the Friday meetings, I mean, I it does not sound like it went super well. And it sounds like Michigan conclusion or takeaway afterward is that this might be a fight. You know, this might not be a, no, the Big Ten will wait for the investigation and Michigan will just kind of take whatever the Big Ten says after the season. Like, it sounds like this, sounds like the Big Ten is feeling immense pressure from its other members to act now and act strongly. And it sounds like Michigan, and I think they're right, unless I, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see how this goes, but I think Michigan is 100% ready to fight this tooth and nail. Not even, not even like take like a, you know, a little, I think the two game suspension was proposed as a potential compromise. It sounds like Michigan won't even take that. You know, Michigan's going to fight this as it, as it seems right now, uh, very strongly. And I agree for a lot of the same things I said, the other day, you know, I've ta- I talked, I had a the big long thing in the middle of the episode about Jim Harbaugh, like coaches don't like him. Other athletic directors don't like him. He commands a ton of attention. 
even though he's not actually like that friendly with the media either. The media doesn't like him because he doesn't he doesn't, uh, you know, give them good answers for questions, give them exclusive access. And so, yeah, he's not a part of the coaches boys club. He's not a media darling. You know, there's certain coaches that, that just have that that charm or that, you know, everyone likes them, even though they're competitors or something like that. I, I've never gotten the impression that very many coaches who didn't haven't worked with Jim Harbaugh, like thinking about other head coaches. I think they were waiting for an opportunity to they're not mad that there's a paper trail that, you know, maybe can put Harbaugh in trouble. So, yeah, I still I still very strongly hold that that it almost seems like they want Harbaugh suspended or Harbaugh gone more than they actually care about Michigan being punished, which I think is very telling. I think it's very telling, you know, if they're going to try to tell Tony Petiti and he's going to come into Ann Arbor and say, you know, they're telling me this is the worst scandal in Big Ten history. If it was the worst scandal in Big Ten history, you would want more than just the head coach punished. You would probably want the team punished, right? But I think there is this this Harbaugh focus. You know, part of it is is who he is. Part of it's that Michigan is twenty five and one against Big Ten opponents the last three seasons, with I believe nineteen wins by at least three touchdowns. Every single other head coach in the Big Ten, except Illinois, has lost to Michigan by three touchdowns in the last three seasons, at least once. Some have done it multiple times. So, yeah, it just feels very Harbaugh-focused. A little too Harbaugh-focused for me to respect it, I guess. You know, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we'll find out. General caveats aside, it does feel like the Big Ten coaches and athletic directors are really... they, they I feel like they see an opportunity to try to get Harbaugh suspended or fired, and they're trying They're trying their best to, to pull that off. I, Steve... Your thoughts on, and if I missed any details that are important to bring up, feel free, but your thoughts on on what's come out since our last episode? Uh, still waiting on what, you know, of, of some kind of evidence that Harbaugh or other staff, like concrete evidence that this was more than Connor Stallions, right? We're still waiting on that. Somehow. Feel like it would have come out by now. And that's, and that's, and that's kind of the thing that I'm hung up on here is that you talk about these calls with the coaches and the ADs. There's no way that this wouldn't have been leaked to one of the usual suspects who has found pleasure in leaking one side of the story uh, yet. It's been, what, 48-ish hours since Stallions uh, resigned, 36 hours or whatever. And and since then, there really hasn't been any more that has come out. And I just think there's no way. Michigan might owe Connor. Uh, <laughs> a thank you for that a little bit, right? If, well, if, I got to think. the reports are true that he didn't cooperate. Yeah, no. And but at over. this point, Zach, why should he cooperate? Like Oh you know, yeah, the, no, I mean he already right? lost his job. He has he has no like legal, at least to yeah. my knowledge, legal obligation to to cooperate. I'm just saying, like, I think sure, I sure. think that might be like the stall point. And and Steve, just to maybe you can weigh in on this. I I don't think Harbaugh should is like totally, completely innocent if if a low level staff member was doing this and he didn't know like there is I some agree. obligation you're still the head not... of the program i do I, yes i get it I, from that standpoint you still are the head of the program you are the equivalent of like the president of the united states you know you have to you, know, you are you are um indirectly responsible for the actions of you know basically whoever is under you and so i get it from that standpoint but again but but that but let's just you know that's not the biggest scandal in Big Ten history, if that's the case. Not even close. So, like, that's it's that part where we haven't seen anything more 
concrete come out uh, that doesn't make me still think that this is a joke. And then the other thing is some of the like the the reports coming out of the AD meeting with the Michigan State's athletic director of all people being the one throwing the biggest stink apparently about this situation and crying about the safety the the player safety right. because they were concerned that Michigan would theoretically could injure their players in the game because they would quote already know where they were going to be they have like, nine players suspended over the last two seasons for attacking a Michigan player yep and 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 yeah and Three then separate attacks too and he and he still on top of that used the tunnel thing as a and called it uh hypocrisy hypocritical of the big 10 to to not act on this you know like it's just i mean like i said i I tweeted it and i i dead like it was like this looked like it was written by the onion like i'm like this is not real like i can't believe this the fact that the big 10 is even considering and again this is one i mentioned this to you before we got on and i i I don't want to sound inaccurate so if somebody out there like i I could probably find on the board because i mean you talk about there's like 30 sherlock holmes uh, impersonators on our board right now, you know, all for the last two weeks who have just been digging and, and digging every on. message board. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Correct. correct. <laughs> like like um, other teams are, are they got people working. I mean, they should be getting paid yeah. hours by the NCAA right. for doing this digging. It was, I was under the belief that the big 10 was approached with this before the NCAA was and the big 10 declined to like look into it or, or to take a, like to, to do a full investigation on it. If, and to now be in a situation right. where you're talking about the Big Ten commissioner wanting to suspend the head coach or, or suspend whatever when no investigation has been finished, like it, it would this that this whole part of it is so unprecedented and is so it's in it's insane to me to consider that that the commissioner would just bow to literally just straight up complaints like it you know for it's it's we talked about this last time it's it's technically it's in the best interest of the other programs in the conference to see michigan knocked down and punished whether everyone everyone else benefits that is actually true and so you know it, it to me it feels like they there's a little bit of a sense of that they smell blood and they think they can pressure the big 10 commissioner into by by saying you know you're not going to have our support unless you do something here i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying collusion but like it's it's just that it's essentially just giving in to sort of a mob mentality within the conference here again like i i've said this i said this 10 times last episode still saying it when if if and when there is more evidence released that puts actual members of the Michigan staff at fault for this situation, like directly, then we'll have that conversation. But even still now, it is literally just still this guy purchasing tickets for third parties, which again, we'll see about the Michigan State Central Michigan game, still speaks to a rogue actor. I just, again, can't fathom Michigan telling a guy to go dress up in Central Michigan clothing and scout a crappy Michigan State team. But either way, we're still waiting to hear what exa- and and the thing the other thing too is as long as Michigan continues to look like they're close to finishing an extension with Harbaugh it's still my belief that Michigan does not believe there were any serious long-term 
high level rules, right? I just, what's the incentive we're, to, to we're, go to, you know, so. We're two weeks in and there still has yet to be another name mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, again, as, as I said a moment ago, that doesn't mean Michigan is going to get off scot-free here. Yeah, I don't think they necessarily will. should they, but they suspended Connor Stallions pretty much right away. What, within 18 hours of the investigation beginning? And then he resigned on Friday. The fact that there's been like two weeks of suspended of, again, with pay too, Zach. Remember that? I always thought I thought that was an interesting suspending him with pay, you know, because they could easily to suspend him with pay was another indicator to me that led me to believe that, you know, because they easily if they'd have suspended him without pay. You understand what I'm saying? I just feel I, like, I, that, like I do. I, I, I just don't know they suspended him with, like what's normal. Sure. What's sure. Like I feel standard. well, I felt like. For a something, if the if the if this was a serious super serious situation in Michigan, Matt Weiss was suspended with pay technically. Okay, was he with pay? Okay, maybe that so, if that's the case. I'm I not saying you're would. wrong, but I I I just don't know enough about right right the, the true differentiator. Like if there's like a legal difference, like in terms of like that's above my 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 intel on on workplace suspensions, but. But yeah, the, the, if if there was someone else that was like directly implicated, I feel like it would have come out. Otherwise, I mean, that's someone sitting on quite a story. We 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 know though, nobody sits on a story anymore, and that's another lesson we yeah. continue to learn with this this whole situation being another example of something like that. I do, I don't believe not this long, right? Yeah. I just that's and that's the part I can't I can't like get past is that there's really been no substantial concrete new information on this for what four or five days at this point outside of him being outside of him resigning but like as far as the actual you know stuff it's just it's been a while now and I, I, i don't know so yeah the focus has definitely shifted toward the big 10 and real quick on the the ad and the coaches calls it is funny like how you know, like Alan Haller's comments. I, I actually think that's a good, like if you're Michigan State's fan base and you're Michigan State's football program, you're fired up about that. So in the sense of like, if you view athletic directors as like figureheads for very passionate fan bases, he actually did his job, right? He went after the rival. He went hard. He kind of went along with the, what I would assume is a common Michigan State fan theory that the investigation was like Michigan State suspended its players, I guess, before everything was done. I don't know. I think that's different when it's a team issued suspension, which which by the way, the the rumors going around about the Big Ten suspending Harbaugh, it sounds like anything more than a two game suspension needs to be there like a committee needs to approve it. Maybe the committee would approve it. I d I don't know, but uh, you know, with an ongoing investigation, I think that's what Michigan would be fighting is is you know, Santa Ono Michigan's president had that letter and I know fans got fired up about it because it's it's pretty strongly in defense of of Michigan's football program. But, you know, his his message wasn't necessarily I mean, you know, his main message was don't do this before the NCAA completes its investigation, partly because you can't. And also we won't let you and we won't allow that to happen. And so I think that was, you know, for those wondering where Michigan stands, it does feel like it's a pretty united front and and i think you know i've had this conversation with a couple couple friends we were students at, at michigan during the mark schlissel presidency it's like could you imagine if he was still president right now like we we were kind of joking like would michigan have even played 
on Saturday or would, or would they have just shut the full, the whole football program down and just agreed with whatever the NCAA and big 10 wanted. So, you know, it does seem like Santona ward manual uh, are, are in Michigan football's corner on this. And I think that also speaks to, you know, to, to your point, you know, there's, there's signs here that Michigan is not going to get some death penalty that they're not going to like have head coach and both coordinators have to step down. Like, like I think there's like this, you know, rival fans have this aspiration, I guess, that this is going to be like, like this crazy downfall. I feel like Ward Manuel Santa Ono probably wouldn't be this ready to fight if they thought they might lose. If that makes sense. Like it does feel like, like uh, an indefinite suspension would be fought pretty hard by Michigan. Going to have to go read the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com to kind of get through the nitty gritty of all that. But but it does feel like Michigan feels very strongly about their opinion. So, um, and they feel definitely strongly that anything done by the Big Ten before the NCAA finishes its investigation is going to be met with pretty strong opposition. So lots to stay tuned on there. But, but yeah, Steve, I mean, it, it feels like that Thursday podcast episode we had kind of held up. You know, this still feels a little manufactured. It still feels like if if, if Michigan had a uh, more of a folksy, less successful, charming, you know, more media friendly head coach uh, that I, I kind of wonder if this would all be handled differently. I almost I also kind of wonder if it would have even been more than a one day story. But but maybe that's too speculative. But but it does feel like not a little bit a lot of this to do both from media from coaches from athletic directors from the big 10 is very it's harbaugh is kind of the reason why it feels as strong as it does am i wrong on that take no not at all i we did i think we talked about this off the not even before recording just we discussed this throughout is that this is definitely more of a let's get jim harbaugh than it is let's get yeah, Michigan football program, right? I mean, and, and that's yeah. Like, there's that, <laughs> there's that guys. It's like almost a disguise. Like they don't want to hurt the players, or you know, right, right, detriment the yeah. players. No. What they're really saying is they don't really care about the team and the players. They just want to get Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, on. not maybe not right. everybody feels that way in these meetings, but I think a few people do feel that way. It'd be inter- It's interesting knowing some of the comments we'd seen from coaches like post game after playing Michigan this year, how complimentary a lot of them have been, you know, if, if Walters was too, I know he had other comments, but you know, he said it's the best defense he's seen or whatever. Interesting. I don't know. By the way, I don't actually, I I didn't want your thoughts because I, you you and I might disagree on this. I didn't feel like Walters said anything that incendiary, like he was kind of strong worded with it. Like he said, these aren't allegations. These are, facts but that's basically him saying we have the evidence of what michigan's being accused of well again how does if he has it i feel like it somebody else would have had it and put it out by now that's like that's kind of well i think think it was part of the pete thamel like the 30 games or whatever so i i maybe i'm yeah no the media again they're the ones that have fueled this entire like and that's what that's what's another part of it that's fascinating to me i don't like I'll be interested to see what James Franklin says this week if he's asked about it directly. Again, yes, I don't expect he, much. You know, <laughs> they, they probably are telling him if there's anything you don't weigh in on, it's probably this. Just because, yep. uh he he is one of those chatty coaches. You know, yep. I mentioned Jim Harbaugh's not chatty, doesn't do small talk, doesn't isn't yep. real friendly with the media. Uh, James Franklin is, 
And yep. a lot of times that works to his advantage. You know, yep. that, that and, explains the preseason love that Penn State always seems to get. But sometimes saying less is right. That, that's coach. why I said it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see what he says. Do I, I mean, do I have a problem with what well, I don't have a problem with it? No, I mean, it's he can. He can say it felt like Michigan fans were taking it as like some well, like a, yeah. a f- offensive attack and like a little I think, bit. I thought the handshake was weak. Well, sure. After the sure. game, that was yeah. and like I thought the handshake was kind of that was kind of a weak move. Honestly. Like if there's like, any again, game to just swallow your pride and just do the handshake to not. Yes. Yep. I kind of agree. Thing. But but even like, he, then, yeah. it's just a hand. It's also just like it's whatever. I just but I guess the thing for me is like hearing him talk about it directly is like. What if that's where he's gotten his information is from these just from these media reports? You know, it's like that's kind of what I think. I think that's where the, these two phone calls with the coaches in the eight. I feel like that's yes. where they've got okay. their information. Okay, so that I agree with. Ridiculous. The athletic story, like that's where I almost feel like I, I, they probably shouldn't. But like just from an opinion standpoint, I almost feel like the NCAA should probably provide like some sort of update i i i'm assuming that's like not their protocol that's not how it works whatever but like it would really i think help a lot of people out because what's happening is michigan fans are outraged because it feels like a lot of people are making speculation into fact and stating things and like kind of dragging the program through the mud and michigan's rivals fans are real mad because they're hearing all this potential misinformation again we don't know all the information you know and they're they're kind of like why how has he not been fired yet how is this program still eligible to just keep beating everyone's faces in so it's it it almost seems like it's causing outrage on both sides just how little not in like like how little from the NCAA there has been because I it did feel like some of these like anonymous quotes it just felt like a lot of misinformation to me it just felt like a lot of people were briefed on what's going on on social media or what's going on on the message boards and that's and that's what they're working with. And that's that's very common among fans. It's not always super common to hear that among coaches. But, yeah, it, it does feel like there's a, a, a lack of clarity. Because technically, I think you mentioned it the other day, the NCAA, have they even officially said what rule violations they're investigating? Like, I think we all kind of know it's that probably that one bylaw. But, yeah, it's just been a... No, they haven't said yeah. crap. Like, that's the thing. Like, and, and like it's just... That's the whole, that's what we, that's was the foundation of our discussion in, in the last episode was, okay, once they, once we know exactly what they're investigating, then there's more room to like discuss it. And so far it's just been all this anonymous sourcing from a couple reporters who are getting fed information by whoever you think they're getting fed information from then that inch is being run a mile by anybody and everybody in a lot of ways, you know? And so, but from official, like, like from an official like standpoint, we really still don't exactly know what they're being investigated for. Again, like you said, we have an idea, but until they come out and say, or until there's like more clarity on, on exactly what and potentially who, you know, all like the, again, I just can't get over the fact that, you know, if if the coaches and the ads are, are in the in the and even more so, if the commissioner is even considering trying to make a, some kind of decision here based on these complaint calls, if that's and if that's where they're getting their information, 
I mean, I, I mean, at that point, we're talking to me utter insanity. Like, it, it, you know, if if it's ESPNP and these athletic articles and stuff, if that's what these coaches and ads are basing their gripes around, and the commissioner is is even considering making some kind of call as far as a suspension or some kind of punishment, I, I just, just that because is, everyone else asked him to, and that's, like, and that's, that's what I'm saying. That, that would drive that's me. What, yeah, right. That's, that, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I get why Michigan's going, getting ready to fight this. Cause it's like, he came in according to reports. He came into that, to that meeting on Friday, basically repeating verbatim what other coaches and athletic directors said. And it's like, that's not the judge and the jury. Those are yeah. people who yeah. want Michigan to fail. And, and similarly, Michigan would love if, I mean, they probably care a little less because they're two-time defending champs, but they would, you know, whenever one team has to lose a coach or lose scholarships or whatever, that benefits everyone else in college football. And I, I'm just, I'm not sure if Tony Petiti realizes, like, yes, of course, there's an agenda when these coaches and athletic directors are acting like this. You'd think, you'd think it would, some stuff would be clicking inside of his head, like, hey, why, I want, why are they so dead set on? <laughs> and like to but listen Steve, to like a, you know he's not then, yeah go ahead he's not jim delaney he's not been around the block for 30 years like it's not like he has necessarily more job security than these coaches do sure you know he was kind of brought in in an era of college football where conference commissioners main job is kind of just to like keep the tv deals keep the money flowing right and keep the tv deals going tv deals going so he's a tv exec by trade you know it's not like he's a former football coach or athletic director maybe we're giving him too much benefit of the doubt because you're right like you'd think like you'd be able to sniff that out but the way he the way the friday meetings were relayed to us i'm kind of wondering if he didn't and he just heard 13 to 1 vote and said that like that's what the big Ten's going to do then and which is again you imagine? Can you imagine making decisions off of like a majority rules type situation like that? I, like, wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't his? I first, don't know. Maybe he's not, but <laughs> uh, right. But it. But it. I mean, it sure. Zach, it sure sounds like it though. If they're even right. calling for a, p- a potential suspension, sounds like that's exactly what. It, it, like, there's been no indication that that he's had any contact with the NCAA or or vice versa. Like this, just this seems like a that these media reports pissed the ad's and the coaches off and they decide they that they feel like hey maybe we maybe we can do something about this on our own if we throw up enough of a stink you know and again as always subject to new information that we've we're waiting on at this point like just like most people i feel like but uh on the surface just from what we know i mean it just seems like a total uh joke the way that this has been handled by the big 10 from the get-go, like I said, you're going back to the a situation where whoever hired this private investigative firm or whoever had this information to begin with approached the Big Ten with it, and the Big Ten passed on investigating it, and that's how it ended up in the hands of the the NCA first, you know. And now that and then like almost the Big Ten almost pulls a 180 and is threatening to or or discussing or trying to threatening a suspension for a head coach before and any kind of, any kind of investigation has been. Not just not completed, but not even like the the details of which aren't even known. Right. It's, like, it's like what? Like I, you know. So, in terms of what Michigan has said publicly, <laughs> he would have laughed so hard at the. So Ward Manuel was at the post game press conference. He wasn't speaking, 
but a bunch of reporters came up and started asking. He must have like answered one like non-violation question because all of a sudden like 20 different reporters go up to him and start asking him questions and he, he literally just stands there calmly and just says no comment like over and over again and everyone just like leaves like it, it just it was like the most pointless thing and uh it was just it was kind of funny but but in terms of Harbaugh you know he, he mentioned again he's not legally allowed to talk about this which for those wondering why the narrative feels so like anti-Michigan it has to be at least a little bit influenced by the fact that Michigan's not allowed to say anything. And they're also, they have to, I don't know the the exact rules, but like they have to be careful about how they leak information too, because technically, you know, they could get in the NCAA could technically consider that misleading an investigation or, or whatever. So, you know, Michigan's bound by rules, but I did find it notable Harbaugh just to provide maybe the, a Saturday update. Um, you know, he was asked about it. He said, I appreciate your question. Can't really weigh in on it. But then he kind of went into this whole thing about, you know, people are questioning or, you know, how they're good or why they're good. And he said, they're just good. You know, he, he reasserted his belief that there's 22, 23 NFL caliber players who will be in the on NFL rosters next year. Um, and then he called it a, quote, priceless gift to a team like this to question how they're good and why they're good. So, you know, players have all said kind of the they've taken the the PR approach of like not saying it's motivating them, not saying it's necessarily hungry. I mean, J.J. McCarthy did let a it's us against the world slip, but the players have kind of been a little quiet about it. But I felt like that comment from Harbaugh tells tells us everything you need to know. You know, we talked about it in the last episode. Um, can this motivate a team that has won every game so far this season pretty easily? I think it can be motivation and it sounds like it is motivation, you know, cause there's a lot of people out there questioning what they're now 34 and three in the last three seasons. A lot of people are saying it's because of the sign stealing or whatever. And, and now Michigan's out there to prove otherwise. Uh, waiting for more information still like we were last week. Uh, <laughs> even though all this new right. stuff has come to light, we're just still waiting here to see exactly what uh, has happened. So, and when you be... want, Breaking news, check it out over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan at 247sports.com. We'll have free stuff, obviously, but if you want to subscribe, uh, I think I think we've done a really nice job being on the forefront of a lot of this stuff, and, and our subscribers certainly have reaped the benefits of that inside intel. Props to Sam has been killing it, and you guys have been killing it. You and Alejandro have been killing it. The one thing I'd always say about for us, we're try we try really hard not to take you on the roller coaster ride on purpose. Yes. It's you know, it's much more about and sometimes it's you might have to wait a little bit, but it's more about fact-based information from the best possible sources that that you can really uh find, you know. And so I know some people want we could spit anything out and people will read it at this point, but well, yeah, if we uh, reported everything we heard, I mean, you guys would be. Yeah. Well, there are, there are roller some. Coaster. Yeah. Right. There are some people who like that approach, no matter how right or wrong people are over the, the long haul, but never been our approach. So that's what I always say. It always goes the same for recruiting, actually, at the end of the day. I mean, um, but yeah, like we're actually running a 50% off promo right now. If you go to the homepage. There we go. Uh, Michigan 24-7 sports or Michigan dot. 247sports.com. It's right on the left-hand side of the site. There's a direct link to the sign-up sheet. So, yeah, I mean, not only will you get full coverage of all this, but 
the rest of this season. Pretty much it'd be it'll almost take you all the way through next football season at this point. It's an annual sub. So yeah, I'd say give us a shot for sure. Yeah. Of course. We're 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 biased toward us, but but we do no, in, in all seriousness, I do think we we cover all the bases with our team and I think we do a nice job of knowing when sources might be taking us for a ride or anyway for Steve Ryan's I'm Zach Shaw this has been the Wolverine 24 7 podcast we'll see you next time